Deuteronomy chapter 28. Okay? And this is about blessings for obedience and blessings for disobedience. I'm not going to read the whole chapter far, far too long, but we will have a look and see what we can glean from it. Beautiful chapter, the whole lot of it. Okay, let me read some of Deuteronomy. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Now listen to these blessings. I'm sure you've read this before. It's absolutely beautiful. You will be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves, the herds of your lambs and your flocks. Your baskets and your kneading troughs will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in. You will be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated by you. They will come from one direction but flee in seven. I love verse 8. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people, as he promised to note, if you keep the commands the Lord has given you, then all the people on the earth will know that these people are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, your crops, your ground, and the land you swore to your ancestor to give you. Verse 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in the season and to bless all the works of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of these commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, for, to follow other gods and serve them. Amen? This is a very, very beautiful story. Now, what exactly is happening here? Let me give you a little bit of the, the background to that particular story. For 40 years, the children of Israel were living in the desert. And every morning, they got food from heaven. Does any child know what that food was called? Anybody? Yes? Shout it out. Shout it out again. Manna. I'm a bit deaf on this ear. <laughs> and this one's not much better. Manna from heaven came down. Now, can you imagine, children, every morning you said to your mother, Mammy, what's for breakfast? And your mother or father said, Manna flakes. Mammy, what's for dinner? There's some manna stew in the pot. Mammy, what's for breakfast before we go to bed? There's some manna porridge in the pot as well. Everything they eat came from manna. There's only so many, so many recipes. There's only so much you could do with it. But for 40 years, that's all they got. They got quail one time when they complained as punishment. 
I would call that good punishment. <laughs> I got quail instead of manna. But this went on for 40 years. Now, for 40 years, there was a, a two and a half million people in the desert who never worked. And they were getting food every day from God. It was like living on the dole. That's what it was like. They were living on benefits every day. There's the manna. This is our house, our clothes. Everything was taken care of. God was providing for us. Now, that was okay. But when those 40 years was up, Moses said to the people, you're going into the promised land. No more dole. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves. There's a shovel and a spade. You're going to have to work. And if you're a farmer, is there any farmers here? No, no, no farmers. One or two. If you're a farmer, you've probably copped this on. You work very hard. Amen? It's a hard life. So when they went into the promised land, they had to till the soil, plough the soil, till the soil, pick the weeds up, pick up the stones. I used to hate that job. I used to hate when a farmer, when a contractor came to our house with a plough and tractor to plough our fields because we spent some of my best summers gathering stones. It's called reseeding. <laughs> And you had to work the soil. And then God gave them the rain. He gave them the latter rain. Then there was a harvest for the people. When they had their harvest, they would grind the corn and they would have bread and they would have food. It's called farming, okay? Now, God said to the children of Israel, or Moses said to them, when you go into the promised land, no more handouts, no more manna, you're going to have to work the land. And you're going to have to read, I was going to say the farmer's journal, but you're going to have to read the Bible. And if you read the Bible, this is what God said to Israel through Moses. If you obey me in the promised land, I will give you the first rain and I'll give you the latter rain. What does that mean? If you are a farmer and you sow wheat or you receive a field, you need lots of rain to get the seeds to grow. If anyone here lives in the town and you have a little garden outside of the back of your house or a pot of flowers and there's no rain, you get your watering can out, don't you? Well, if you have 100 acres of wheat, you can't do that. Now, in Ireland, when we sow seeds, if you receive a field, the chances are you're guaranteed rain, Okay. It's going to rain. We're in Ireland. If you're living in Israel, here's the problem. It doesn't rain very often. But God told Israel through Moses, if you obey me, you till the soil, you plant your seeds, I will give you the rain. And that will cause the seeds to grow. But when it comes near harvest, when it is time to harvest your crops, I'll give you the latter rain. The latter rain caused the crops to grow, to sprout out, so that you have abundance. So the first rain caused the seeds to grow. The latter rain caused an abundance of a harvest. But what you have to do is to be faithful to God. Be obedient to my word, and I will do that. Now, if you were a farmer in Egypt... They worshipped all sorts of pagan gods. They didn't care if it rained. Why? Because they have the River Nile. 
so you can take the water out of it, you can irrigate your crops. If you're living in Babylon, they had two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, but in Israel, there isn't any major rivers. There's the River Jordan. It's not very big. It's not going to, you're not going to water too much with that river. So when they went into the land, you've got to be faithful to me, and I'll give you the rains. And that's what they did. Now, if you are a farmer in Ireland or anywhere in the world, you probably notice that a farmer has to operate within the seasons. You understand that? So, for instance, in the springtime in Cavan and Monaghan, that's mainly when the cows all calve, okay? Or the sheep have lambs. If you're living down south, that's when the farmer tills his soil and plants his crops. Then in the summertime, you make your silage or you make hay. It was a great year for making hay, wasn't it? I saved a lot of money this year because I didn't have to buy any plastic for my round bales. I made hay. It's a quarter of the price. Okay. It was a good year. Thank God for the sunshine. We had a good year. So farmers can't complain. If you're a dairy farmer, you cannot complain this year. Amen? Their tides is going to weigh up. All right? Dairy man done well. Now, in the autumn time, that's when the cows go into the shed this time of year. And so you farm within the seasons. So if you're a farmer here in Cavan and Monaghan, you've got your silage pits full of silage, and I hope your slatted tanks are empty. Would I be right in saying that? The deadline is up. So your slatted tanks should be empty. Come next spring, your slatted tanks will be full and your silage pits will be empty. But who cares? Because the cycle will start again. There will always be springtime. There will always be harvest. That's how God has organized, not just here, but all over the world. Now, in Israel, it's a bit different. There's very little rain in Israel. So if you want God to bless you and that these abundant blessings that we've read about, you've got to obey me. You've got to have a relationship with God and walk in obedience with me. And God gave Israel a calendar. And the idea was that this calendar kept Israel in focus with God as they went through the agricultural year. That calendar is called the seven feasts of Israel. And as Israel went through the year, obeying God, worshiping God, God would keep them in track with the land and how they grow their crops. Now, what is the seven feasts of Israel? Very quickly, the first feast was called Passover. The second one was called Unleavened Bread. The third one was called First Fruits. And the fourth one was called Pentecost or Shavuot. Then you had Trumpets, Day of Atonement and Tabernacles. It's a big story. We're not going into it all this morning. But that's the seven feasts of Israel. And these feasts was to keep Israel in contact with their farming cycle and their relationship with God. You see, you have to understand that in Bible days, most people were farmers. When Jesus called Peter, the Bible doesn't say that Peter was an IT consultant for Google, 100 grand a year, and he left that behind to follow Jesus. That didn't exist. Andrew didn't work for Microsoft or Elon Musk. Those jobs didn't exist. In Bible days, people lived of the land. They needed the rain, 
and they went through the agricultural cycle day by day and they trusted in the Lord. That's what they did. Now, how did this agricultural cycle work and what's the relevance of it for you and me today? Right, the first feast was called the Feast of Passover. I don't think I have to explain Passover. I think most people understand Passover. Basically, what happened at Passover was this. The high priest would take a lovely little lamb that had no sickness, no disease, perfect lamb, and he would walk in through the city of Jerusalem with the Passover lamb. And when he did, everybody would start to sing. And this is what they would sing. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because here is the Passover lamb going into the temple. The Passover lamb was brought into the temple and the high priest would inspect him to make sure that he's perfect. He was taken up to the temple. They would cut his throat. The blood would pour out. And when the priest was finished with the sacrifice, he would sit down and he would say, it is finished. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb is over. Now, the very next day was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, what happened that day was all the Jewish children would go into the house and they would look in the cupboards to see was there any yeast in the house. In the house. And if there was yeast in the house, they would bring it outside and they would burn it in a fire. Why? In the Bible, yeast is a symbol of sin. Why? If your mammy and daddy ever cook bread, do you ever see mammy and daddy cooking bread? No, they all probably go to Dunn stores, don't they? <laughs> Tesco's. Well, years ago, maybe a granny. <laughs> and when you put bread in the, when you, put, when you make, cook, bake bread, make bread, cook bread, bake bread, I get it right yet, if you put yeast into bread and you put it into the oven, here's one I made earlier, okay? <laughs> I, I, I was up early this morning baking. If you put yeast into bread and you put it into the oven, the heat of the oven causes the yeast to explode. And as it explodes, it puffs up the bread like that there. And that is a symbol of pride. Do you know the first sin in the Bible was Satan said, I don't want to worship God, I want to be God. That was pride. And ever since, we're living with pride. It's here, it's here this morning, pride. So yeast is a symbol of sin. So what they would do is they would go into their house, all the children, they would look for the yeast, they would bring it outside and they would burn it in the fire. That's called the feast of unleavened bread. Now, the next day was called the feast of fresh fruits. What is the feast of fresh fruits about? What happened on the feast of fresh fruits is a farmer, remember these feasts are to do with farming. A farmer goes into a field of barley and he takes a sheaf of barley like this. He brings it to the priest. The priest brings it into the temple in Jerusalem and he waves it like this in front of all the people. 
And all the people in the temple start clapping and getting excited because he's waving a sheaf of barley in the temple. Can we all get excited this morning and clap? Hey! Woo! Wow! <laughs> These are mental. Why on earth would people get excited because the high priest is waving a sheaf of barley in the temple? Wow, big deal. You have to understand that in those days, that sheaf was called the Feast of Fush Fruits. That means that if this sheaf of barley is ripe, that means that in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a massive harvest. This here is the first, but there's a greater harvest to come. And that means that we have been obedient to God, and God has given us the first rain and the latter rain. That means there's going to be food for everybody in Israel, because in those days they lived by the land. That's what happened. And everybody, just like you this morning, got very excited over a sheaf of barley. Now, I actually can relate to that because I grew up on a farm. And when I was at high infants in first class at school, I'm not going to tell you when, it's long, you're talking about the 40s here. But when I was at school, right, when I was at national school, we were milking 25 cows. That was a lot of cows back then. But on our farm, I have four sisters, when the first cow calved on our farm, we got excited. We'd go down to that calf and we'd be rubbing him, he'd sucking our fingers and we'd have a name on him, black and white, Frisian of course. And we were all excited. And when I went to school the next morning, I'd have my hand up like this. Please teacher, yes PG, again. Our first cow calved this morning. And of course the teacher lived on a farm as well, so she understood, but they had only 12 cows, we had 24. <laughs> Aha, we were way ahead of them. We were so excited because the first cow calved on the farm, and other children in my class would be jealous because we had the first, and one fella said to me one day, uh, we have two cows with our times up, and daddy said one of them, she sunk at the back, she's going to calve soon. It was like, it was like, it was like, we're all excited because this, now, we had 25 cows. The last cow would generally calve in the middle of June because you know the way when you have a cow, you always have a repeat, and she kept repeating, repeating, repeating the year before, you know, and that meant that she's not going to calve until June. By the time the last cow calved, number 25, we couldn't care less. We wouldn't even look at the calf. We were fed up with them. But the first calf was the great one. That was the excitement. And that is why when the high priest went into the temple and he waved that, everyone in Israel knew, we're not going to starve. There's an abundance of harvest. Now, fast forward 50 days. And when you fast forward 50 days, which is seven sevens is 49, you come to a feast. Hebrew it was called the Feast of Shavuot, which means the Feast of Weeks. We call it Pentecost. Now, what happened at the Feast of Pentecost? Well, you should tell me, because you are modern Elam, so please tell me after the meeting, right? What happened at the Feast of Pentecost? What happened at the Feast of Pentecost was this. 
another farmer went into a field of wheat. Now, wheat is more valuable than barley. Barley is generally chicken feed, cattle feed, whatever. But wheat is where you make your bread. It's more powerful. It's more, it's like gold. It's, it's really more important. So on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after first fruits, another farmer goes into a field of wheat and he gets a sheaf of wheat like this. But he brings it home, he trashes it out, and he makes two loaves of bread with the wheat that he got from his field. Two loaves of bread like this. But guess what he does when he makes these two loaves of bread? He puts yeast into the bread. What does yeast stand for? Sin. Uh-oh, we'll not talk about that yet, okay, right? Two loaves of bread, like that there. He takes the two loaves of bread and he gives it to the priest. Same priest who got the sheaf. The priest brings the two loaves of bread into the temple and it goes like this here and everyone in the temple goes, can we do it again? Yay! Woo! Wow! Why are we getting excited over two loaves of bread? You can go down and get Tesco's or Dunstone and get any bread you want. That meant... Not only have we got barley, we've got wheat, we've got bread, we've got abundance, we've got blessings. God, as I was reading, has opened the storehouse of heaven and he's poured into our lives. He's given us the first rain, he's given us the latter rain. We have a wonderful harvest, we've got bread, we are not going to starve. We have so much bread that we can lend to other nations around us because God has blessed us. Amen? That is why they got excited in the temple with the two loaves of bread. Now, the first feast is called Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then Pentecost. Now, what I'm going to do again, I'm going to go through these four feasts again. I'm like a school teacher, okay? Because I know you weren't listening, I know you didn't learn. So we're going to have to do it all again. Not my fault. He's not worth listening. No, I'm going to do it again. But this time, I'm going to bring Jesus with me. Do you know I'm preaching here for must be, how long I'm up here? It must be an hour up here. I'm at two hours, isn't it? Feels that way. And I haven't mentioned Jesus since I stood up in the pulpit. Mind you, there's a lot of churches that stand, preachers who stand behind pulpits and never mention Jesus, to be quite honest. I want to go through these three, four feasts again. But I want to show you how Jesus is the fulfillment of those feasts. If ancient Israel were all excited over a sheaf of barley and a loaf of bread, when you put Jesus into those feasts, we should be very excited. Because Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of these feasts. So now I'm going to talk about Jesus. Okay? Now, the first feast was called the Feast of Passover. Now, what happened at the Feast of Passover? The high priest goes into the temple and he's got a beautiful lamb. They inspect the lamb. He's got no sickness, not go, no diseases. Bring him up to the temple, cut his throat, and the Passover feast takes place. The blood of the Passover lamb. Okay? One day... The high priest goes into Jerusalem and he's bringing the Passover lamb and everybody is singing 
This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The next minute, Jesus gets up on the colt and he rides in behind the priest. And everyone is singing, this is the day the Lord has made and here comes Jesus. Jesus goes into the temple. What happened when Jesus went into the temple? Caiaphas, the high priest, Pontius Pilate, they all examined Jesus. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, yes, I am. We said, they said, you're not. We don't want you, Jesus. We are going to reject you. Do you know today, boys and girls, children at school will reject Jesus. They still reject Jesus. And that's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was rejected by the religious people. They inspected him and they said no. So what did they do to Jesus? They nailed him to the cross. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, what was the last words he said? It is finished. Do you know that for 1,500 years, they celebrated the feast of the Passover lamb and the priest would say it is finished. Those are the last words Jesus spoke. Why? Because your salvation is complete in Jesus. Paul calls Jesus the Passover lamb. He is the fulfillment of that feast. That is why in this church, you didn't have to bring a sheep or a goat or a chicken or a dove and kill it because Jesus has done it all. Thank God for the cross, isn't it? Jesus has done, he is the Passover lamb. Now, the next day, Jewish children go into their house, the very next day, and they look for all the leaven in the house. Leaven is a symbol of what? Sin. You bring it outside and you throw it in the fire. That's what they do called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. When Jesus died on the cross, where did he go? He went down into hell with your sin and my sin, and he burned it in the pit of hell because sin belongs to hell. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me. Thank God that Jesus took our sin, our sorrows, and he went to hell, burned it up because that's where it belongs. The next day is called the Feast of Fush Fruits. The high priest goes into the temple and he waves his sheaf like this and everybody's excited because they know that is the beginning of the harvest. When that happened, you should get excited now because when that happened, do you know what Jesus did? We call it Easter Sunday. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. When the high priest was waving this in the temple, the feast of first fruits, Jesus rose from the dead. I think we should clap and give glory to Jesus. Amen. For 1,500 years, the Jews were excited and clapped and danced because the high priest waved a sheaf. Here we are, 2,000 years later, and every Sunday, we are celebrating that Jesus died, he went to hell, but he didn't stay there. What happened to him? He rose up from the dead. How does that affect you and me? If you are a Christian and you are in Christ, that means that when I die, I will not stay there. I will rise from the dead also. Because Jesus came to give us eternal life in Jesus Christ. The feast of first fruits. We call it Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, but it's not just one day in the year. It's every day of your life. 
When Paul writes the New Testament, he calls Jesus the first fruits of the resurrection. So if Jesus rose from the dead, guess what? We will all rise from the dead also if the rapture doesn't come because we are in Christ. If you are not in Christ and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, at judgment day, you will go into hell with your sin. I won't and you won't if you're born again because he took my sin and he born it in hell. But I believe that Jesus has conquered that because I'm a Christian. Now, that's called the feast. We call it Easter Sunday. They call it the Feast of First Fruits. Fifty days later, what happened? The high priest goes into the temple and he's got two loaves of bread. Now, these two loaves of bread, this loaf represents Israel. This loaf of bread represents us Gentiles. According to Ephesians, God's plan is to make Jew and Gentile one in Christ. That's what God is doing. But in these two loaves of bread, there is what? There is yeast. Yeast is a symbol of sin. Why would you put yeast and give it to the priest and bring it to the temple? Because there is sin in this bread. Why is that? There is yeast in here. I thought you should take the yeast out and throw it in the fire. But mammy's after cooking the bread or daddy and he put yeast into it. And here is the high priest in the temple with these two. Why is that? I want to play a little trick on you. I want everyone to look at me. Now with the corner of your eye, look at that person on your right hand side. Don't move your face. Now, that person on your right-hand side, it could be your son, daughter, husband, wife, mammy, daddy. That person on your right-hand side is a sinner. You know that? Now, I want you to look at me. Don't want to embarrass anyone. Twist your eye the other side. Look at the person on the other side of you. That person is also a sinner. Now, I don't want to embarrass anyone. There's a few empty seats here. If you feel uncomfortable... Sitting beside a sinner, you can come up now and sit at the front. Okay, I don't embarrass anyone. But just before I go any farther, you're a sinner also. And so am I. And so is your pastor. He's definitely a sinner. He, he stole two grapes this morning at the back of the church. <laughs> he is a sinner. His, even his wife's a sinner. How do I know? Because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in that bread, there was sin. And God is basically saying that in the church, there are sinners. We all sin. What do you do when you sin? When you sin, I want you to go back to the feast of Passover. Because at the feast of Passover, Paul says in Hebrews, that the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to take away our sin, but the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So if you have a sin issue in your life, or maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to come to Jesus Christ because he can take away your sin, that Passover Lamb. And when Jesus takes away your sin, what, was he, what does he do with it? Look at all your sin. Imagine all the sin. He takes it and it goes into the fire of hell because that's where sin belongs. He is the feast of fresh fruits. 
And then you need to do what we do in this church every Sunday, rejoice. Why? Not because we have a sheaf of barley, but because every Sunday we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. What does it mean to you and me that Jesus rose from the dead? It means that he's conquered sin, he's conquered death, and he's given you victory, he's given you eternal life, he's given you abundant life. That's called the Feast of Fresh Fruits, or we call it Easter Sunday. But don't stop there. You need to go on to the Feast of Pentecost, which is my two loaves of bread. What, how do you celebrate the Feast of Pentecost? Not just one day in the year. We have Pentecost every day. You put your hands up like this and you say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, giving me the victory over sin and death, and opening up the treasures of heaven and filling me with the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can live a life boldly for Jesus Christ. Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God all to salvation. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which happened on Pentecost, you've got something in you which is called boldness. I'm going to be bold for Jesus. When I go to school, I'm going to tell my school friends I'm a Christian. When I go to work, I'm going to be bold. They might reject me. They mightn't want that. But I'm going to be bold for Jesus because I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Feast of Passover to rejoice over, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we've got the Feast of Fresh Fruits, and we've got the Feast of Pentecost. There's just one more I want to say before I end. The next feasts are called the Fall Feasts, and the next feast is called the Feast of Trumpets. That brings us into what's called the Grape Harvest. Now remember these feasts are agricultural. The first one is the Wheat Harvest, or sorry, the Barley Harvest, the Wheat Harvest, and the last one is called the grape harvest. I'm not going there, but I will say this. You don't want to be here for the grape harvest because that's what we call the tribulation. That's why the Bible says from the feast of Pentecost, which is what I'm talking about, the two loaves of bread, to the next harvest, that's part of history, is called the church. We also call it the, the days of grace. And that's why the Bible says, today is a day of grace. Tomorrow might be too late. Do you know why? Because there's going to come a time when the Pentecost harvest is over and God's judgment will fall and that brings us in to the tribulation, the grape harvest. So how do we get ready for all this? Because we are in the end times. What you have to do today is to rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice that you're going to heaven. But remember that there's people all around you who do not know that Jesus Christ is Lord of their lives. And they're living a religious life. They're living a good life. They're trying to get into heaven, but they don't understand. It's by grace. Are you saved through faith, not of yourself? Jesus has done it all on the cross. Okay? So today we celebrate the harvest because Jesus has given us the first rain, he's given us the latter rain, but most of all, God the Father has given his son Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, we are completely fulfilled. Amen.